BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts, Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode. I'm Lucas, I got Chris and Uri here, of course. We're going to just jump right into some Sixers basketball, some preseason uh, lineups coming up, as well as some, you know, just Ben Simmons talk. But first, let's talk about the second year point guard. Chris, do you mind taking us in? Yeah. We're going to talk about training camp, as you said. We'll start with Tyrese Maxey. Doc Rivers spoke about him recently at camp, said he hasn't had the best training camp, but that Saturday was his best day so far, that he was getting to the rim, finishing inside. Lucas, what do you think is the most important aspect of Maxey's game from last season that he has to carry into this season? The one thing that he has to carry in is his aggressiveness. Because what the Sixers are going to lose, they're going to lose a guy who scored 15 to 16 points per game, and that could go off for an occasional 20-point-per-game guy. I mean, this wasn't really a skill of his last year, but he has to be aggressive in every aspect, not just the scoring, but has to be in playmaking and defense, all those other areas to help you know supplement what the Sixers are losing without Ben Simmons, of course. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think his most important skill is you know getting to the rim putting pressure on the rim which will help him a lot as a playmaker as he grows in that respect in terms of just kicking out to open shooters he has a lot of potential in that area of his game um so i i I pretty much agree i mean that's something that's very unique to him on the roster the sixers don't have a lot of guards who are quick at getting downhill and putting pressure on the rim shake milton doesn't really do that even Ben at times didn't really do that when the offense slowed down. So Maxie's really unique. The Sixers haven't had a lot of players like him. So I, I think he's going to be really important next year, as you said. But Lucas, what's one aspect that he has to change? What's something from last season that has to get better or that he has to do differently um, compared to last year? I mean, the easy answer would be his playmaking, but I'm not going to go there. I'm actually going to go with a different aspect of his offense, and it's going to be getting to the foul line. For all the great teardrops that Maxi made, 
He could have. He's one of those guys that could easily get to the foul line five or six times a night, just just based on the fact that he's small, he's strong, he's aggressive. Like you said, that down that downhill speed attacking the rim. If he's able to initiate contact and still get a shot off without you know getting it blocked and you know getting that foul called, it could up his points per game. That alone could up his points per game. Let's say to uh, by six or eight points per game. Yeah, um, that's I agree with that. I think another thing that he's going to have to get better at. We saw it a lot in summer league. We've heard him talk about it. We've heard his teammates. We've heard Joel talk about it. Is that pull up three point shot? If he can get those falling at a consistent level, if he's like a thirty five plus percent three point shooter, and he's mm-hmm. hitting pull up jumpers coming off of screens and stuff consistently then A, he's just going to be a really good player, and B, that's going to open up a lot of cool things for him and for the other players on offense. Um, Obviously, Ben Simmons was not hitting pull-up threes, so that's something they haven't really had out of a ball handler since Jimmy. So if he can do that consistently, obviously he only shot 30% from three last season. It's something he has to work on. He took a lot in summer league, didn't necessarily make a lot, but it's clearly something he's put work into. And if that starts, you know, rolling for him, I think we're going to see big things. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know if that's an essential part of his game. What that, I mean, it'd be great if he could do that, but I mean, as long as he's hitting spot up threes, that's, that's good enough in my book. Like I would, that's not high on my priority list for him. I would say that's third or fourth on my priority list for him playmaking it would be the easy one we both agree that and then defensively would be probably number two me and you are kind of talking more about like the fringe areas of his game like being able to draw contact uh going to the foul line and then the pull-up three is great like that changes him from being like a guy like De'Aaron Fox you know who's not really good at that like right now where his game is like his ceiling is maybe like a De'Aaron Fox x player but if he gets that pull-up three-pointer that changes his trajectory you know his ceiling to something much more than that i can't really think of a good player and now you know comparison off the top of my head but it helped me help me think of one but i mean i don't know lucas but you just combined projection and trajectory into trajectory and i think that's the great word uh you know what that that is just one of my skills i do that sometimes i take two words that mean similar things and I just combine them without even realizing it. So I'm glad that you caught that because I didn't even think about that. And I think it works. I, I think, think it does work. Like a clever term we should start breaking out on the site. What, what did I say again? I don't even remember saying it. What did I say? You said projectory. Projectory. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, obviously, he's. I think he's already like pretty great getting downhill and finishing at the rim. That's his best skill foul line I agree is a big priority but I I do think the pull-up threes and the threes in general would help a lot um Mm -hmm. but let's talk about some of the other guys Doc Rivers when speaking about guys like Embiid Harris Danny Green said they aren't going to play every preseason game obviously the Sixers have four on the schedule the first one coming up against Toronto here do you think he's playing it too safe considering there are only four preseason games I do agree that maybe we don't need to see those guys this early on. Well, let's think about it like this. Joel Embiid has injury history. Fine. Don't play him every preseason game. We know what we have in him. Danny Green's old. Like, he he's old. He's 34. 
I I don't I think he just turned 34, so he's but still he's 34. He's he's been in the league since what 2008, 2009. So he's been for a long time, very long time. So he needs some rest too. Like preseason games shouldn't really matter to him. He he knows his job. And then Tobias Harris, let's be real. Tobias Harris is probably going to play the most minutes out of everybody this season. So resting him in the preseason makes a lot of sense. So, I mean, when he says not all four, I mean, it could just mean they play three. It, or even if they play two, like, that's fine. You got, you know, you want to see what your starting five looks like in one or two preseason games. But, like, you don't want to show the rest of the league what all you're thinking. And then as on top of that, you want to rest those guys for the reasons I just stated. So I, 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 I have no problem with it. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say preseason games don't matter, but they really don't. Um, you know, they're running through all their sets and stuff in practice. I And B could play none of the preseason games. I really wouldn't phase me. I agree that they probably want to see it in action so to speak, but preseason games are going at half speed anyways. They're not going to show all their stuff, as you said. Embiid, Tobias are going to have to play a lot of minutes this season to drag this team through whatever, you know, non-Ben Simmons period is coming up. Um, like, just without Ben, it's going to be a lot harder on those two. So I, I'm really fine with them resting. I, I really wouldn't mind if they rested all four games. <laughs> so... I, I agree on that front. Let's let's talk though about that Toronto game. What are your expectations for that? What do you want to see? What do you expect to see? Well, what I want to see is Maxi have at least six assists to only two turnovers. I think if that if he has that, that's a good precedence of you know what you what you hope that he can produce during the regular season. I want to be able to see him run that first unit like a traditional, not like a traditional point guard, but like, like a guy that, you know, he's a score first guy. He's not going to change that, but he has to be able to run the first unit and not just look for his own shot, but be able to, or like bail out his poor decisions on like a quick pass to the corner. I want to see him initiate the offense, run a set, you know, a couple sets and see him be dynamic with that starting unit. Hey guys, ever been trimming downstairs and cut yourself? Not a good feeling at all. The question is, how can you prevent pain and discomfort while grooming yourself? Well, I'm here to remind you about Manscaped with their Lawn Mower 4.0 trimmer. It features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawn Mower 4.0 also has a 4000K LED spotlight that you can turn on and off when needed for a more precise shave. And it's even waterproof so that you can trim in the shower. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and handle your trimming needs in a convenient and safe way by going to manscaped.com. Go to manscaped.com right now for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. And now... Back to the podcast. I'm actually kind of excited to see, and I know that where this is Sixers podcast, but let me touch on the Raptors here for a second. Scotty Barnes. I'm interested to see how they're going to use him. Are they going to use him at the three? Are they going to use him as a backup three, four? Like who knows? I don't, 
Um, also, I, I'm kind of curious who's going to start at center. Is it going to be Kim Birch? Is it going to be Chris Bouchard? Or it, do they have anybody else? I on would that? imagine it's Kim Birch. I do like Kim Birch. He's like an underrated big man, in my opinion. Um, do they have anybody else besides those two? I feel like they have one more, and I'm missing him. Uh, yeah, off the top of my head, I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't place a name. Um, yeah. Well, and I also want to sure. see the reemergence of Sam Decker. No, I'm joking. Yeah. Um, besides that. Uh, for the Sixers end, I want to see how the second unit does because uh, we're gonna see, we're definitely gonna see five man deep in this in preseason, probably more than five man deep. But he, you know, Doc Rivers is probably gonna run a five man deep rotation during the regular season, and I want to see how Shake Milton does as the primary point guard in that second unit. I want to see how Andre Drummond, you know, does against opposing backup centers. And I, I just want to add this. I, George Niang's playmaking, because, you I'm, know, everybody's talking about it, Chris. I'm pretty sure Joel's not playing against Toronto. Like, Probably not. No, I wouldn't play I, I him against like Toronto. I think it's, like, been reported that he's not. Oh, is, so, has it? I haven't seen that yet. Drummond's but. probably going to be starting. And then that means your boy, B-Ball Paul. Yeah. Yes, it does. Who, um, who is, by the way now, Chris, officially Doc Rivers sees him as a center right now. So how happy, side note, how happy are you about that? Uh, it took long enough. Um, <laughs> I I don't know. I'm happy. I guess I I'll be happy when he starts playing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I agree with everything you said. You know, without Embiid, I think even more is going to fall on Maxi and Tobias for however long they play. If Tobias plays, um, I just am really interested to see what Maxi does with an expanded role and potentially expanded minutes. Cause he tended to do pretty fun things when given those opportunities last season, though they were not, you know, they were few and far between. Um, I'm excited to see how like Paul Reed and Isaiah Joe do. I think those are two guys who could credibly compete for rotation minutes as the season goes on. Maybe Isaiah Joe more than Paul Reed, but those are guys to watch. I'll be excited to see how, Jaden Springer does against actual NBA players. He wasn't great in summer league. I I think he's going to take a minute to develop, but that, that's why I'm saying, Chris, he has to go to the blue coats this season. I, I think that's a must for him. Yeah, I think that's fair, but I, I I'm still very excited about him in general. And I'm excited to see how he you know performs. You mentioned Scotty Barnes. Of course you did. Um... I love Scotty Barnes. What can I say? It's, I projected him to be a top four pick. I was I wrong? No, I was not. No, just the not the player that I thought wrong. would drop. But you know, yeah, you know, Toronto made a mistake, but it's okay. Um, he's <laughs> a cool player. I I imagine he'll come off the bench to start the season. Yeah, they have Siakam and Ananobi there who are just going to be. I mean, you better. could slide Ananobi to the two if you really wanted to. Yeah, I don't know. I. I mean, I like Gary Trent Jr. too, but... Yeah, I, yeah. I probably wouldn't, but... Um, I mean, Scotty Barnes played point guard at Florida State, so you never know. Um, yeah, who knows? It's also um, preseason, so they will they can go small. Siakam can play the five. I mean, there are lots of things they can do there. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm interested about Toronto, too. I think they're a neat team. I don't really know which direction they're going to go this season because they could be a playoff team or they could trade everyone by the trade deadline and get a top five pick again and they're kind of teetering the line there but a fascinating team nonetheless yeah they're they're a boom or bust team in my opinion they could be a top seven team in the east or they could be a bottom five team uh just really depends on how things break for them 
Another thing that I, we should mention before we move on to our next point is that Charles Bassey won't be available for this game. He's having problems with his visa, and it could be continue to be a problem outside of just going to Toronto as well. So that's something to keep in mind there. I, I believe the report said it's not going to be like a prolonged issue, though. I, yeah, but it might it might affect more than one preseason game. I think that's yeah, that was, yeah. Let's talk about the big news here because, you know, we want to start off on some good notes. But now let's get down to the nitty gritty Ben Simmons drama, because, of course, it wouldn't be a Philadelphia 76ers podcast without some Ben Simmons drama. I feel like we've been saying that for the past three years. But let's go ahead and get into it, because now Joel Embiid has finally spoke his mind, probably the most edited version we would ever get of him speaking his mind about the recent Ben Simmons comments. Of course, it was recently reported that Ben Simmons had thought the relationship between him and Joel Embiid has, had ran its course, and that he uh, his game wasn't uh, you know wasn't going to grow anymore next to Embiid, and that he could play he couldn't reach his full potential next to Embiid. And this is what Embiid had to say. This is just a small portion of what Embiid had to say about that, those comments. Our team has always been built around his needs, even going back to the reason we signed Al. We got rid of Jimmy, which I still think was a mistake, just to make sure he he needed the ball in his hands. He referring to Ben, of course. So, Chris, was this comment by and be taking a direct shot at Simmons, or was he just stating facts and answering the reporter's question? Um, both. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, both. I think. Um, obviously, he. You know, went on to say they hope Ben changes his mind, comes back, yada, yada, yada. But also, I think the general tone around these comments was, you know, the bridge is burned. This is kind of the, the last straw on top of Ben not getting his contract. So I, I think the bridges are still smoldering in the distance. I, I do not foresee Ben, you know, coming back anytime soon. But Joel, I think, is right in what he said that, the team has been built as m- much as possible around Ben's need. Obviously, Ben and Joel were not a perfect fit, and there's some level of reason to saying maybe Ben takes a slight step forward on another team where he's the main guy, sure. But as I said on the last podcast, I do not think Ben's main issues are Embiid-related. You know, the Jimmy thing, I think we all kind of assumed that the Sixers were picking between Jimmy and Ben, and they chose Ben which looks rough in hindsight. Um, I don't know if it was really, truly that simple, but they clearly had been in mind when they decided to move on. Logically speaking, the idea that Al Horford was actually a move to benefit Ben is ridiculous because that was never, ever going to be the case. But clearly that's what Elton Brand thought he was doing. (laughs) Um, You know, love Elton Brand. But yeah, I think he's stating facts and I think he's, pretty much directly saying like ben you're full of crap (laughs) well to go back on your brand point brand is actually a person of interest uh, rumored to be a person of interest for the minnesota opening so please fingers crossed um but (laughs) please going back to your points uh you you hit it on the head there on a couple different things i will contend that i will i can see both sides of the horford training uh you know signing you sign somebody that fits better with ben when joel's okay. not on the court but the thing and, then, is, and, like, and then you also get a good backup for joel when he's not on the court i al see both sides to it al definitely did not fit better with ben than jimmy 
<laughs> like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't disagree. I'm just saying I, I see. I, I, I under. I don't think it was just one or the other. I think it was both in that regard. I think Joe Wells just kind of, and I get it. He's frustrated, so I'm not really, you know, picking at that too no, much. I think what it is is they Ben wanted the ball in his hands, and they wanted the ball in Ben's hands. I think it's that simple. And it but Ben, yeah, okay, did that's not true. work out. I will also say that Jimmy Butler has been on the record saying the reason why he didn't resign is because. Nope. Somebody, <laughs> well, no, some somebody. He didn't say who, but somebody asked Rep Brown if he could control Jimmy. That yeah. that was the tipping point for Jimmy. Probably his own brand. <laughs> it, it probably was either him or Josh Harris. It was either him or Josh Harris. Yeah, because I mean, he basically said the front office is a mess, and I have no yeah. clue who's in charge here. Yeah, he did say that. You're absolutely right. So th- there's multi layers of Jimmy not coming back. Uh, surely Ben being prioritized was one of them, but. Honestly, I I love that Joel said this because now it's not good for the franchise. Don't get me wrong, because that hurts his trade value, because that kind of just seals the deal, as you said already, about him not coming back. It's it's not happening. It's not happening. But we'll talk about it later. But in terms of how this team needs to have its mindset, Joel Embiid's putting that into, into motion right now by saying, I can only focus on the guys in front of me. And that is exactly what he's doing by, you know, I mean, by saying he said that, but also by saying, you know, he's not, I mean, he is dissing Ben, but at the same time, he's, he put it out there. Like he's done with the Ben drama. Like this is him indirectly saying, I'm done with the Ben drama. Let's let me just focus on my guys. And this is the reason why I'm done with the Ben drama. So that's why I love it. Um, and I, I, I mean, like I said, it hurts the front office in terms of trying to trade Ben, but in terms of what this team needs from Joel as a vocal leader, I think this is spot on what they needed. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much more they could really hurt his trade value at this point. I don't think teams really care what Joel says, and then like I think Ben's value is pretty much shot by now. But yeah, I agree pretty mm-hmm. much. I mean, I like I said, I if. If nothing materializes by January, I go for McCollum, Rocco, and picks. Because that's the, that's the best deal you can I, get right now. Honestly, I mean, I I know it was reported. Who reported that? As Stephen like, A. Smith. Okay, well, Zach Lowe was talking the other day, I believe on the jump, and he it, it wasn't necessarily a report, quote-unquote, but he made it sound like Portland probably views CJ as the better player, so I'm really not yeah, sure. Yeah, I saw, I heard that too. I Yeah, and I mean, if... if not, I, no discredit to Stephen A. Smith, but he's yeah. not Woj, you know? I mean, but Zach Lowe isn't Woj either. Um, yeah, he's closer than Stephen A. Smith. Uh, yeah, Zach does more reporting than Stephen A. Smith. At, at this point in their careers, but I would definitely say that... You know, I think Stephen Zach A's is more plugged his... in to front offices than Stephen A. Stephen oh. A might have like players and agents who call him every now and then, but I think Zach's like plugged into front offices. Well, I, I remember Stephen A. saying one time he has at least two people in every organization. Yeah, but you know, anyway, that's not that's, that's 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 not the point. Um, I mean, in if Portland views that, you know, I'm sure they would. I'm sure if Damien's unhappy. You know, or if they start out to a slow start, they'll they'll change that stance pretty quick to you know change it up and see if they can right the ship. But um, you know, there are plenty of other teams that are still in the hunt too. Um, I think 
like the counter to that is if Portland gets off to a slow start, Philly's not trying to help them right the ship. Oh, of course not. Of course not. But then, you know, you got other teams that we didn't really see in the picture so much, like Indiana Pacers. They're still in talks. Cleveland's still in talks. Um, so, I mean, there, there are players out there, you know, teams that are still, you know, in the hunt. You know, San Antonio was still mentioned. Um, Portland, obviously. Minnesota. Did I miss anybody, or are those the main uh, te- Sacramento? I mean, Keith Pompey throughout Detroit. Oh, Detroit, the, yeah. The I, I mean, I, I actually wouldn't mind a package from I Detroit. I don't really know what, like, it would have to be Jeremy Grant in pieces, which is just a weird. I mean, I don't hate Jeremy weird Grant. Weird to start. And, and he's good, but I don't know if that's, like, my ideal package. I mean, your boy Killian Hayes. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I love <laughs> Killian Hayes, but if I don't know. I don't know either. But anyway, the other part of this that I want to ask you about, Chris, is since he is the, the leader of this team, how does Embiid's comment impact the other players' feelings about Ben Simmons' holdout? Um, I don't know. I, I think he kind of said what everyone's feeling at this point. I don't know if there really would be any impact one way or another. I think everyone's probably either secretly or not so secretly tired of the holdout. I'm sure everyone would be fine with Ben coming back. I don't think, I think it's clear they would prefer that he'd be there, but I don't think anyone's like super thrilled with Ben right now. And Joel's comments made them change their mind. You know what I mean? I think everyone's kind of irritated. So I think we're all, we're still in the same place basically. Yeah. I I think that's a fair, and I don't really have much else to add on to that. I don't think. Um, you're right. Did you want to chime in on this portion? Because I know this portion probably uh, touches you particularly. Uh, nothing related to Ben Simmons will ever touch me, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay. Uh, <laughs> JJ Reddick recently held a live podcast after his retirement announcement and was asked by Tyrese Halliburton a favorite of the podcast here and of JJ's podcast, apparently if he had one like overarching regret from his NBA career. And he said, you know, you can't change outcomes. You can only yada, yada. Basically he ended up saying, I wish I could have returned to Philly. Lucas, do you think he tried like hard to return to Philly? Do you think that's something he ever made an effort to do? I think you have to look at the context. What I think he meant was more or less he wish he could have stayed in Philly in terms of, you know, never leaving. I I think once he left, I think the ship had sailed. But I think him trying to return that offseason. And, like, I remember during the uh, Butler podcast that when he had Jimmy on is that uh, he was saying that they offered him, like, they offered him a deal, but it wasn't near what he was worth. Like, it was a... Um, you know what, you're right, you're gonna have to bleep me out. It was a half assed offer deal, and it just it wasn't what he was looking for, it wasn't what he was worth. So that's why he decided to, you know, take his talents elsewhere. But I think in the context, I think because I think at the end, if he wanted to come back to Philly, Philly would have made a roster spot for him because he's a shooter, and you know, Daryl Morey loves shooters and he has a history with Joel. And maybe he could have helped things with, you know, Ben. And definitely he has a history with Doc Rivers, who's probably one of his longest tenured coaches outside of Stan Van Gundy. Point being is that I think if there was a buyout instead of a trade, I, I think I think that would have gotten him back to Philly. But I think 
at this point. I think he was ready to retire this offseason. So I think the cons, the you know, the idea was I think he wished he never left Philly. I think that's probably more of what he meant or the idea behind what he said. Yeah, I agree. I, I think you're right on that. I don't really have much more to add, you know. Um, I Obviously, it would have been nice if he had stayed, and we'll talk about that. But, um, you know, he signed in New Orleans. It was under contract. and got traded to Dallas. It was under contract. So, I mean, he could he have tried harder to return? Not really. I mean, there's nothing he could have done. He had no control over that. Could he have signed an offer that was below his market value at the time? Sure. But, I mean, that's not like a knock on JJ. Like, take I mean, money. Yeah, get get your money while you can because once you're done, you're done. Yeah, and JJ is not someone who had been, like, paid tens of millions of dollars his entire career. He, he obviously got a pretty big contract in Philly those couple of years. But before that, I mean, he was he was not, like, you know, swimming in do- max dough, you know. So take the money while you can. Um, I think we're on the same page there. Mm-hmm. How do you think you would have impacted the team, though, if he had stayed? Okay, so what was that, two seasons ago? Yeah, I mean, that... I, I guess you don't get – see, that's so tricky because I don't know who... – If he stays, you don't get Al Horford. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, it depends on how the money Ideally. fell. Ideally. Ideally, but the... you pay him $20 million and never talk to Al. But And then you have a starting five of Ben, JJ, Josh Richardson, Tobias, and Joel. It would have worked so much better. Yeah. Yeah, it would have. It really would have. Um, I mean, I don't know. If, like I've said before, I've said this in the past. I feel like Elton Brand giving out that contract was like, hey, you used to be my teammate. We used to be buddies. Let me help you out towards the end of your career. Wink, wink. Like that's that's how I felt when it, you know, when it happened. And it, it seems to be proven the case thus far. Um, I don't even know if I was going to be starting and boston this year i mean there's pros and cons to starting him over robert williams robin williams is a better defender but al horford can hold up against bigger centers so better i mean you oh you think al horford's better than robert williams no rob williams is better okay well no obviously he has to stay healthy but also al has to stay healthy yeah i mean if but my, my my thing is i think Al starts just purely based off of the fact that Robert Williams is like six foot seven at center or six foot eight. He's way undersized to be banging against like the Joel Embiid's of the world or the, you know, Jokic's or even the Nurkic's of the world or Jonas Valanciunas. Like he would get, I mean, he's like also like 240 with a seven six wingspan. He's, I mean, not small. I mean, we've also evolved, I think, past the point where you need like a big hulking center. Like, there are other ways to, like, the Raptors last season did not have, like, a guy who could stop and beat one-on-one. But I thematically, mean, if you throw a different look at him, there are other ways to get Yeah, back. but, I don't, well, I mean, Udoka's smart enough to do that, I guess. But I don't, I don't know. There's a reason why Udoka wanted Al Horford. So. Yeah, but look, Al is not stopping Joel one-on-one this year. Al, yeah, I, getting, I mean, Al is barbecue chicken. I mean, you could start both of them together if you wanted to. You could. You yeah. could. They've done uh, it with Baines and Horford in the past. Obviously, Horford has, like, history with Tatum and Brown and those mm-hmm. guys. So maybe you could, you could, ha- you could start a Hor. It doesn't matter positional-wise, but you could, you know, Horford would still stretch the floor. And you would have 
Williams act as your five on offense, and then defensively they can just switch based off off of matchups. But anyway, point being is that I mean, going back to yeah, the team would have been better with JJ versus Al Horford that season for sure because they they still had Kyle O'Quinn, which I mean, granted O'Quinn went overseas afterwards, but O'Quinn was not a bad center. Like I I think the NBA just kind of was like, oh, we forgot Al Kyle Quinn is a good center because he had to play first behind Sabonis and Turner for a year. But I think Kyle Quinn was a good third stringer. I don't know if you want him playing 20 minutes a night every night. I mean, he played pretty well for the Knicks that that season when, when he was the starter. But anyway, that that's my Kyle Quinn Hill that I will die on. Um, yeah, the team would have been better that season. And assuming that JJ would have continued to stay, even if he regressed, you know, may, even if that regression last year wasn't just because of injuries or because he was away from his family, it was actually age. Um, he still would have had a role off the bench for the Sixers at that point uh, this past season, which I think would have still been important for the team. So, yeah, that's that's how I feel about hey, it. Hey, I have a Kyle O'Quinn memory. You want to hear it? Yes, I, yes. I, I always love to hear about Kyle. O'Quinn. I don't have yes. a single memory of him playing in the NBA, at least for the Sixers. I'm sorry. Wow. Uh, Hurtful. And I do remember him in New York. He did have a nice, nice little stint there. But with the Sixers, to me, the highlight of Kylo Quinn's career was uh, when they were on the bus and they were talking about biscuits from. Uh, oh, my gosh. And they got they got Thibault the, because Thibault was his rookie, wasn't he? Oh, that was them hazing him. That was just pure goodness. I yes, that. that that was great. I remember <laughs> that. Yes. But no, Kyle Quinn was a, a good rebounder, solid interior defender, and could pass, was an underrated passer. But that's my hill. I will die on it. I don't like the idea of doing this, but we're going to do it just for the kicks and <laughs> giggles of it. We're going to talk about what if, if in like that the, uh, alternate dimension, you know, multiverse theory, hypothetically speaking, if Simmons does return, does he pull Jimmy Butler in Minnesota where he dominates practice, Chris? No. What he does is he pulls a James Harden where he shows up and out of shape and like in the fat suit. Out, yeah, pouts <laughs> around, plays at half speed, and then gets traded ten days later because he's stinking up the court. I don't. I don't think he'll come in out of shape, but I think he does pout around it. He'll do I, that. I, only I, he won't average thirty and ten while doing it because he's yeah. not as good as James Harden. <laughs> I'll say this. I'll say this, Chris, and I was talking about this with Uriah, and I don't remember if you were on the on our call before at this point, but um, I think him and Joel might get into it at practice. If Joel sees he's like, and you know, Uriah censor me again. If he's half-hassing it, I could I could see Joel getting into him, and then they get into like some sort of verbal or uh, probably not physical, but verbal altercation on the court during practice. I could see that. I could definitely see Joel getting into him. I think Joel and Ben are pretty mellow guys, you know. I, I mean, Joel being mellow, let's let's not forget about him and Cat getting into that tussle match. That was like two years ago. He's he's changed. He's matured. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. I mean, he is a dad now, so you got to throw that out there. Yeah. He's much more of a leader, but still, I mean, I I would love to see that. That as a fan personally, I would love to see that because somebody. Publicly calling Ben out would be fantastic for yeah, me. Yeah, I'm all for him like calling him out. I don't know if I need to see them like throw down it. Oh no, I'm not talking about physical. I'm just talking verbal <laughs> okay. altercation yeah. at this okay. point. I would like, like to see you know either one, Lucas, either verbal or physical. But I do know this much: I think 
whoever he plays for when he returns to Philadelphia is probably going to be the highest rated like game return game. When he returns to Philadelphia, he's going to have like a sore knee and be on the bench. Bookmark this, Uri, because if we got to bookmark that right there, because if that happens, we have to make sure we can put it onto the Twitter sphere. What's that? We have to be able to put that back onto the Twitter sphere if that happens. Oh, yeah, Uh, absolutely. But Chris kind of got into our next point here. How would Philadelphia 76ers fans treat Simmons in the uh, Wells Fargo Center if he does return? Uh, Well, first they'd ask why he's in Indiana while the rest of his team is in Philly. Um, (laughs) And then they'd probably boo him. (laughs) Um, You know, I think it'd be a pretty vicious booing. Um, You know, there's, I'm sure some fans might act a little bit inappropriately even um, just because it happens every now and then. But uh, I mean, he's going to get booed. That's, there's no question about it. They're not going to like cheer him and give him a nice return video on the Jumbotron while everyone stands up and claps. You know, he's going to be booed and he's going to be booed pretty viciously. We're just seeing how mentally fragile this man is. Do we think he will ever play another game in the Sixers uh, Wells Fargo Center for the next, like, say, two to three years? I have a correction, though, before you go in, Chris. Uh, you said how fragile he this man is. He's not a man. Uh, you're right. I, I called him. A, that's right. I called him. I called I called how he's acting like a little boy. I, I, don't I, call, I said that last week. You're man. absolutely I'm correct. Sorry. He's not. He, or he's not. He's not a competitor. I'll put it to you like this. He's not a true competitor. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know about fragile, like maybe flawed in his thinking, um, maybe a bit delusional about his talent <laughs> and skill level, but yeah, I mean, the fans would not treat him kindly. <laughs> no, nah, they, they would not. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm... I think the big worry there is that someone goes too far because someone will do it because yep. it's, it's, it's Philly. Hard. We it's love Philly. you guys, but sometimes it's Philly. Philly, not Detroit, though. No one's going to be not Detroit. Chairs. Not Detroit. No one's throwing chairs. Well, he's going to be playing for Detroit. So, oh, <laughs> Chris, Chris, let's let's do that real quick before we end up the pa- podcast. If you had to guess which team Ben Simmons will be playing on whenever he gets traded, who is it going to be? Everybody goes. Uriah, you're right. You're first. I think if oh, man, if Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal do not become available, he is going to be traded to Indiana for Brogdon, Warren, and, and Picks. I think that's that's the best situation for both Indiana and Philly. Indiana needs a star. They're irrelevant. Other than Sabonis, who's a very good player, they could use Ben. He would bring a lot of attention and, and fill the stands. I don't know. It's Pacers. I kind of want to say Wolves now. It's Pacers or Timberwolves, I think. I think those two make the most sense. I'm I'm still gonna still say Portland. I I think I think CJ is the best player available out of any player available right now that has been mentioned with Ben Simmons' names. That's like us. That's not a resounding no. We're not gonna trade him like De'Aaron Fox. So I think CJ is the best player available. And well, I'm gonna let me posit this. Like, let's say Portland is like. Sacklow says maybe they think CJ is better and they think the Sixers have to add stuff to Ben. We've heard the rumor that Indiana offered Brockton and a first round pick a long time ago. Mm-hmm. What's the difference between CJ and Brockton? I don't think there's a big gap there. He's CJ's too, right? a, 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 he's younger. Brockton's younger. He's a better defender. Healthier. He, 
he's a good offensive player. Like, yeah. I don't think there's a big gap there. Offensively, there's not a huge gap. And if anything, I would say Brogdon's the more efficient and better playmaker. Actually, okay, CJ so can go CJ off. the best player? <laughs> That's the, okay, now you're making me think here. Now you're making me think. He's more of a natural point guard, too. He's more of a natural point guard, though he can't play off the ball. He could cover – you could still start start Seth Curry if you add him, mm-hmm. and the defense wouldn't suffer too much. Chris, you're making me reevaluate life right now, and I'm, I'm actually going to get off the CJ boat, and I'm going to get on the Malcolm Brogdon boat because uh, I'm feeling Malcolm Brogdon now. Good job, Chris. You you uh, you won that, that debate, but um, – close out the pod we are going to talk about something chris is going to lose and uriah has been making me wait the whole podcast that's right but as of now and i'm going to pull up the score because chris wanted to talk some smack you know during our last podcast about how he was going to beat me in fantasy football but as of now i believe and i'm waiting for the app to load but before the podcast started i was a pretty much a hundred points ahead of him. I am 102 points ahead of him in fantasy basketball. And I, I have one player still playing. He has two players yet to play. There is no way he can catch me. I have 170.78 and he has 68 points. So Chris, how are you feeling about that L? I don't know, man. Act like you've been there. Um, oh, 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 okay. Okay. Oh man. This comes from the guy who's been begging for a tight end. Okay. 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 Wow. Act like you've been there. That is the ultimate comeback. I'm sorry, Lucas. He, he definitely put you in your place just now. Maybe okay, Chris. Watch, 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 watch how I run the court. I'm going to run the table on this now. Now that I got my team figured out and who I need to start, I'm going to run Lucas, the court on this. Just stop, stop. Just stop where you are, man. Just is the house is burned down, man. It's, it's time, you know. There's no need to for fire extinguishers or or hoses. The fire engines don't even let them come out. It's just done, man. Sorry. Chris, <laughs> right. go ahead and play us out. Oh. Um. <laughs> All right, um, to all our listeners, thanks for tuning in to yet another week's episode of the Sixer Sense Podcast. As always, please like, subscribe, comment, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Audible, wherever you are listening. It would really, really help us out. Keep following along. We post twice a week. As always, um, you can follow us online as well at thesixersense.com. Read all our work there or listen to the pod. Follow us on Twitter at Sense. You know, participate with our social media questions of the week and such. And then, you know, later this week, we'll have preseason basketball to talk about. So some exciting, exciting stuff coming down the pipeline. We're really thrilled that basketball is back and we will talk to you all soon. Thanks, everyone.